lovely humans. I'm Wildly, and you're listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we share our most intimate detail in an effort to help everyone everywhere lead better laid lives. And my guest today, I am super excited to introduce to you, is Kaz. Welcome. Thank you. Did you say better laid lives? I sure did. Oh, I love it. I, love I, it. I will say I like giggled with glee to myself when I was like, oh, better laid lives. I love how that sounds. <laughs> but it's, it's also perfect. true. It's what we want. Um, yes. Well, yes. you should I call you Kaz Lucas? What should I call you? I want people to be able to I find I actually yeah. have been trying for a really long time to get people to call me by one name like Beyonce and Madonna Kaz like just Kaz I love but it every time I have like an interview with a press I recently did an interview with the BBC and they were like what names shall we call you and I said Kaz and, I, and they asked what's your second name and I said I don't have a second name I'm just Kaz and they're like we're not allowed to do that so they, oh they actually wrote Kaz Lucas they refuse they, they ignore the fact that I refuse to be called by my second name well but I yes, just Kaz. I'm proud of my intuition then because Kaz was what felt light to me. <laughs> oh, great. I guess I'm giving off that vibration. So my name is Kaz. I live and work in Kenya. My pronouns are she, her. And a little bit about like, I, I'm always adding boxes to my mm -hmm. sexuality, yes. but I'm pansexual, queer, polyamorous, human loving, black being beautiful <laughs> and can you tell our listeners a little bit about the work that you do absolutely so I've actually I'm very recently new in the sex ed game I've been working on like in the sex scene for the last four years now mm -hmm. and it started because there's a big gap in a lot of African countries specifically um, Kenya because that's where I'm from where people don't talk about sex and it being taboo. And I believe this is around the world, actually. Mm -hmm. But so much so, like, we're so deeply colonized as a country that conversations around even period are so stigmatized. Yeah. And so it's really hard to be able to have open and honest and safe conversations in, in environments that are not friendly or safe. And so being able to create that safe space has been a savior for me as much as it has for so many other people. Mm. And especially in the queer sphere, yeah. it's just homosexuality is illegal in Kenya. I must say this. Wow. For, uh, a lot of people don't know this mm -hmm. and don't understand this, but it's punishable by law. Like we're currently in the process of trying to decriminalize same-sex relationships, but at the moment it's just hanging on to the little spaces where you can go and be safe with people that you know or people who've created these safe spaces. So wow. this is part of the work that I do. How is it for you being openly queer and that is criminal? Yeah, uh, I feel like there's, a, it's taken me a really long time to be openly queer. And I feel like it's a continuous work in progress. But I feel like my being authentic and being myself and being vulnerable in that mm -hmm. sense mm -hmm. is what is required in order to change the law. And I do understand that I put myself in harm's way a lot of the time. But that's how change is made. Yeah. And if there aren't people in the front line fighting, then then nothing happens, nothing changes. I hear you. So I'm pretty much it, like putting myself in the front line. And I understand, I understand the, I understand it all. <laughs> I understand yeah. like the the possibilities of anything happening or anything going wrong, but it's a risk that I've decided I'm going to take. We and the listeners may not understand everything at all. So can you outline like 
also, have you ever had any issues or any close calls or any like scary things happen because of the work that you do? Yes. So <laughs> when I began the spread podcast, which is actually the reason why I became a sex educator. Oh, was sorry. Yes. Let's by... highlight the spread. Let's highlight we it should, very right? clearly because I, <laughs> I, so I have been working on listening to other sex podcasts for the last couple of years. And when I listened to Kaz's podcast, everyone, I was like, no, I'm going to wait. I'm going to listen to more before I email Kaz. And then I was so excited during the second episode that I listened to that I was like, I have to email Kaz right now. Um, So I just want to encourage everyone because your guests so far, all the ones I've listened to have just been phenomenal. And the way that you speak is phenomenal. And so I just want to loudly highlight the spread podcast go find it on spotify itunes so that's my yeah (laughs) you're gonna make me cry (laughs) i just i really think if you guys vibe with this podcast then it's a easy transfer and you are doing like it's i i do feel like we are allies and that's what i when i wrote to you i was like please be my friend please be my guest (laughs) oh done 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 and thank you thank you so much for that i appreciate it so that's actually how the journey began with the podcast Podcast. And okay. then from there, it's kind of like evolved into many, many, many big, wonderful, great things. So four years ago, when I began the podcast, podcasting was also a pretty new concept in Kenya. And there was probably maybe like three or four podcasts before me that weren't necessarily very popular. Mm-hmm. So my co-host and I at the time had a very what would be deemed as a racy picture, which was basically the two of us in head wraps Mm -hmm. and the picture cuts off right below our shoulders and we're kind of looking at each other really like lovingly and longingly. Uh. And then, and it just had the spread podcast. And then the press who didn't understand so much what a podcast was, decided to pull the picture and pull the spread title and then caption it, Kaz and Nini start a lesbian TV show called The Spread Podcast. Oh, wow. And that (laughs) went all the way up to government. And there was this big, like, they were trying to ban us, like the government was coming after us and trying to ban us. And they were going to, there was a possibility that we were going to be arrested because we are promoting lesbianism in Kenya. And like, it was, it was it it was dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like it was really dumb. But also a little frightening, but just yeah. a little bit because there have been people who have gone to jail and been arrested for one thing or another, like people who are in the entertainment industry in Kenya. There's a really beautiful company called uh, The Nest in Kenya. Mm. And they wrote a book called Stories of Our Lives. It was actually they did a film called Stories of Our Lives, which was a story about queer people and how and just what what it's like being queer in Kenya and the government banned the film and the people who made the film were arrested. Oh, wow. And so there was that fear that was happening with me. Yeah. That's a very, but also just at the same time, the member of government that posed a threat to us also was beyond his jurisdiction, which is like uh, online content and audio content was beyond his jurisdiction and him making these threats turned out not to be fruitful. So after a while it was just like eh, nothing. And we continued and actually, that threat was because it went viral, like yeah. the whole country was, well, you know, not the whole country, the whole internet country yes. was yes. talking about it. And then it kind of, everybody was just like, oh, what is that? What is that? So people paid attention to it and kind of it grew our brand. And it was because of that that the Spread podcast became so popular. Oh, so, yay. you know, we are 
definitely somehow yeah. grateful for that little mishap. But yeah. stuff like that. How is it when you do live events? You've done a couple. I've listened to them. Yes. Where do you do those? How do you do those? How does that happen? So legally, there's nothing that we're doing that's illegal. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing that can come to stop us. And it's because it's just really a live recording. It's a bunch of people who come together to have sex positive conversations. It's cool. There's a lot of people who need these spaces, these physical yes. spaces. And we do like I, I publicize them. I sell tickets. I I have I make sure that everything that I do is within like the law. Perfect. I do as many legal things as I can possible. The rest, meh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I want to dive into your personal life. Let's do it. Let's go back to the very, very beginning. And when do you first remember hearing about sex or having this concept of sex enter your consciousness? I feel like it might have been the first word I heard. Mm. It, it was very, very young. I was a very sexual young person. Mm -hmm. And I remember masturbating a lot when I was a little girl. I used to rub my vagina on anything mm -hmm. that would make it feel good. Do you remember how old you were when that started? Or was it just like one of those things that I you're like, I've always been done? Like, I must have been, let me think, I must have been like six. Mm -hmm. I must have been about six, maybe even younger. Mm -hmm. I must have been five or six, I must say. I, I always and say I, I remember pushing up against a car seat that buckled between my legs when I was like, maybe three or four like that's my first memory of like oh something feels interesting yeah yeah <laughs> and I don't know if it, if you had this a similar experience but then it just like once my interest was peaked or those um, sensations were peaked it just like I could not stop mm -hmm. I feel like I masturbated at least two times a day from the time that I was six years old to date yeah <laughs> yeah. Just like that hyper sexuality. And I it was just it's always been like that. It's always been like really 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 intense. And then having no buddy to speak to it about or not having access to the internet yeah. when I was a little girl obviously and and growing up as a teen there was no internet per se. Yeah. And then just not having anyone to relate these things to until I started doing the work that I was doing. And then that's when I started seeing people and I was like, oh my God, I'm normal. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's such a good feeling. So yeah. was sex talked about at all in your household or did you have any feelings? Like, did you know what masturbation was when you were doing it so young? Like what sort of ideas were floating around in your head? So picture this. <laughs> I'm setting the scene, not really. Yes, perfect. <laughs> a really conservative and very Christian upbringing, but not really. One thing that was really different for me and many other people who are my age growing up at the same time is my parents were actually very liberal. Okay. So my mother and my father were very open about sexuality and about having conversations about sex, which I know a lot of people didn't have mm -hmm. that privilege. And so my mom was, was she was pretty, she was pretty, at like 11 because I was I started dating really young so she had that conversation with me where she was like uh I think now is a good time to have this conversation and literally the two things she said to me were the first time you have sex is gonna hurt and the ugliest thing in the world is a naked man with socks on <laughs> <laughs> 
And was she right, in your opinion? Yeah, definitely about the naked man with socks on. <laughs> she, I can't say that she was right about the first time, the, the first time I had sex, it was painful. The first time I had mm. penetrative sex, it was painful. Mm-hmm. But I know that not everybody has the same experience. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, we, I grew up in a, in a really liberal home. Mm-hmm. My aunts and my uncles are all pretty liberal to a certain extent. Also, I feel like they forgave a lot of the things that I believed or the person that I was because I was always an artist and yeah. there was never a part of me that became an artist. I was always an artist. So it was just like, even when I came out, everyone was just like, oh, she's an artist. You know, like how they kind of like. Yeah, it's fine. She's an artist. I, I know that now, but I grew up with military parents on a farm, like very wholesome, as they say, and had used to have long blonde hair and was like very sweet. And like, it's only in the last few years since I shaved my head and started like doing all of my art and showing it publicly that people are like, oh, yes, it makes sense. She's an artist. And I'm like, eh, yeah, okay. it was always there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So what was it? I know it's my interview, but like, what was it like for you growing up? I was very well loved. Uh, The extent of the sex talk I got was I think it was 16 or 17. And my mom said something to the effect of, you know, if someone, if a boy ever tells you he loves you, like, that's not enough to make him have like, don't just get pressured into sex because he says he loves you. That was never the issue for me. Like, she was never like, here's what to do if you want to have sex. But they did show us this um, big picture book early on called Show Me. And I think it was made by a group of Europeans that was like parents, like naked parents talking to their young children and like showing off body parts. And so I had that in my brain. But I do remember like learning about what sex was, like a penis going into a vagina was what I was taught. And I just remember thinking like, that can't be right from this book and from like my mom was a nurse too so like i knew what sex was on a technical level um penetrative heteronormative sex <laughs> like of course. and i would like make my barbies scissor like this and i had this idea for a long time that sex was just like this and then you laid there for a while and i'm for those listening and not watching youtube i am making a scissoring motion just putting my fingers into each other and where i grew up was a very christian sort of place so it's like people quote unquote didn't have sex but it was just all on the down low and i i also come from a county in california that's fairly poor overall and agricultural and so it has a really high rate of teenage pregnancy like it was the highest in california when i was growing up so sex was happening i wasn't a part of it until until i moved to los angeles and went to college not for lack of trying (laughs) i think i got turned down a couple times (laughs) oh don't we all yeah and the thing with like sex being not talked about is is where you know disease and pregnancy and teen yes. pregnancies are really prevalent. And like, why can't people put these things together? It's not like it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. <laughs> like in countries where there's comprehensive sexuality education, or in cities or in states where the education is vast, yeah. and mandatory, yeah, then you know the rate of teen pregnancies is reduced the rate of sexually transmitted diseases is reduced it's yep. just like yep. come on guys it's come like, on it's, guys it's so obvious and i so i also actually uh contracted hsv2 in my throat in november so i am now uh, a herpes warrior and i did a whole episode on it but my partner who transmitted it to me recently like reached out and wanted to chat and 
I discovered like not only did he have no idea, like he just didn't have any idea. He thought I gave it to him. And I was like, no, here my tests were clear. He's like, well, the girl I slept with unprotected, her tests came back negative. And I was like, did you guys even have a conversation about, you know, not, not to shame, but just to simply yeah. inform and be like, hey, it's not that big of a deal in the long run, but it's a big enough deal that you should like bring it up and have a conversation because herpes so sucks. Important. Yeah. 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 And also I actually posed a question on my Instagram page just saying like, at, which I thought would be quite, was quite a cool conversation to have, especially for people who have multiple partners. Yeah. At what point do you bring up the conversation about people getting tested? Like yeah. when, at the first day, like when, when does that conversation come I'm out? a person, I'm a person that now, because I've like started talking about sex more and I feel so clear and relaxed if I just get it all out there because I also like want to have sex if I want to sleep with the person like I want to do it as soon as they're ready basically <laughs> like I'm yeah. that type of person where I'm I'm very excited to do it because I have herpes in my throat and in my mouth now and because it's new and so the rate of viral shedding is higher I have yet to attempt to date a new person because I've been in this the last couple months have a been insane schedule wise and b I'm still I still have a lot of feelings around my body because of it. And, yeah. but I think I would have to have a disclosure conversation right away because it's in my mouth. So even kissing, if someone has a really sensitive immune system yeah. can, can put them at risk. Um, and it's not, you know, it's never a zero risk thing. So for me, I would err on the side of sooner rather than later, just because I would rather talk about it. And I know that scares some people away, but I would just mm. probably be okay with letting them go if yeah. they're not willing to hang with the conversation. And I'd plant all the seeds and be like, hey, this might scare you away if you want to come back after you've had time to think about it. I might be open to that, you know? <laughs> we'll yeah. See. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I don't think there's a good answer. And I know that I definitely, even before I had herpes in my throat, I would, so even when I was dating for the first time this past August and September and didn't have any SDIs and I knew I was fully clear, Again, not that that's like makes you a better person or a more worthy person. I just didn't yeah. have to worry about having a disclosure conversation. I was still talking about sex way earlier than the people I was trying to hang out with were comfortable with. And it scared people off. Like, and I was like, and they would be like, no, I like you, but like the things like just weren't quite working. So I'm still figuring that out. But um, for two years, I was in a sort of relationship with a married guy and he was my master and I was his slave. So it was a dom sub relationship. Um, and actually, if you're up for it, I would love to hear your thoughts on an email I just got from someone. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> so, they say, I need to say this to you. When you say you had a master, it's a really awful term. Role-playing is fun. Referring time to the relationship as a master is nauseating. Whenever you mention this to your guests, they are saying to themselves, WTF. Also, others who had masters were slaves. Find a new word. I'm extremely sexually and politically liberal, but this term is atrocious. You owe your audience an apology. So I offered to have a conversation with that person. I have not heard back from them. And I did get another email very similar in wording a couple days later that had the same point. And I, the way that I understand a master-slave relationship is that it is role play in the same way that like a daddy and a little girl relationship doesn't mean that we believe in incest or yes. that if I'm getting beaten, I don't condone domestic violence. Yeah. For me, I have just been using the term perhaps too casually, but it's just 
describing the relationship that I had. Like that is what, you know, for me saying like, oh, my ex-master is like kind of having an ex-boyfriend. What's your experience yeah. with that? Have you ever encountered anything like that in your work? Uh, yes. Yeah. So I'm I'm a kinkster as well. Mm -hmm. And I understand the world of kink and BDSM. But I do find that people who are not don't necessarily understand the terminology that's used. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy for people to get offended. Absolutely. And I suppose it's your uh, obligation to decide how it is you and your master or your dom are going to define what your roles are in that relationship, in that interaction. Yeah. And I think that we, you and I, are also the minority just because there's not many people who understand different kinds of roles and different kinds of fantasies even yeah. within the the kink community. And, and some people may find some things offensive, and I understand that. I actually can give you a personal example. So I um, have filmed some adult content, like mm -hmm. some porn. Mm. And there's a scene that I worked with, with this couple that I worked very close with, Jet Setting Jasmine and King Noir. Yes, and I heard that episode. Oh, the most recent <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, the ethical non-monogamy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we filmed a scene on um, somnophilia, which is the the kink of... The, the kink where you can't where you consensually can have the somnophilia is when you're attracted to people when they're or rather you have sexual feelings towards people when they're asleep yeah so sometimes you can consensually have sex with your partner you know pre-agreed upon yep. that you can have sex with them while they sleep yeah and so a lot when that video came out a lot of people responded and said that it's not it's not consensual and and just like a lot of negativity around that and then trying to explain to them what the actual kink was and just yeah the minute somebody makes up their mind that something is wrong yeah. it's almost hard to try and have healthy informative conversations with them to explain what like you know, that yeah. being in a BDSM kink setting is actually one of the safest places that so I've ever been safe. in my whole entire life. So safe. Okay, yeah. can you talk about, oh, there's so many things I want to talk about with you. <laughs> can you talk about how you discovered kink, how it entered your awareness, how you have gotten into it, how it's changed you? Like, let's dive in. I want the details of your sex yes. life. Yes. Okay. Um, you might have to, like, keep reminding me uh, because I'll I might just veer off into I mean, we, just we will veer off and then we'll, we'll regroup <laughs> and it's going to be great. So, I mean, I've, I had always been a little kinky. I'm a masochist. I like pain. I mm -hmm. really like, um, I prefer to be a, I'm not a switch, even though I have been told that I am a switch, but I'm not a switch. I don't enjoy doming at all. Same. I really enjoy Same. <laughs> I feel like I'm such a I'm such I'm very dominating in my day-to-day -day life mm -hmm. and so when it comes to play I would much rather just like yes. it allows me to it 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 uh, okay <laughs> like, yeah I'm going into that space I like subspace you. is is just a really beautiful space to be so I've always been kinky I've always been a masochist I enjoy pain with all of my partners when did I've you never first really know that Sorry, I'm in, I'm an interrupter for no, details. No, no, that's okay. Um, I I don't know if I can remember, but it might be maybe about seven years ago now. Okay. And oh wait, how my, old are you now? I feel like you're my age ish. Oh, I'm 36. Oh, 36. Okay, great. I'm 30. Ha oh, <laughs> and my partner at the time and I used to 
play a little bit, but just with like pain, just using objects around the house mm -hmm. to inflict pain. Mm -hmm. But nothing really, just like nothing really extreme. My partner after that and I experimented more, a little bit more with humiliation, yeah. which I really wanted to try, but... I feel like I forced him into playing the role of the dom mm -hmm. when he didn't want to because he just like he was like I don't want to do this to you and I was just uh. like please because this shit turns me on so much. Yeah, yeah. And he was not interested in it so when I did have a scene with him I felt awful. I felt awful after that. And because we didn't mm. understand you know th like talking about it and the aftercare and everything involved in like in in scenes and having yeah. a safe word and We j I just knew that I wanted to be humiliated, but I didn't understand the depths of it. So yeah. I didn't enjoy that scene. And then about three years ago, actually, I met Jasmine and King, and they're the ones who properly introduced me to BDSM and King mm -hmm. in so many different ways. And they continue to to date, which is why I, I work with them all the time. Yeah. And I really enjoy working with them and learning from them. They've taught me almost everything that I know. And then they have then introduced me to so many other people who've allowed me to experience different things. But like, I, I feel so connected to them in a way that like, I really like to only be in scenes with them mm. because they make me so comfortable and they allow me to push my boundaries you know in yes. moments where i've said n where i've had no's before i'm just like i think i could do that but only with you yeah right yeah. you know what it because is you, you know when you feel feeling of safety and if you need yes. to stop you you can trust that it's going to stop exactly yeah and also just being in scenes like in dungeons or at ddsn play parties a lot of these experiences i've had in the u.s obviously outside of kenya mm -hmm. and being in those scenes has been like i i don't know how to what words to use to explain it but safe 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 is definitely one of them mm. and i remember just like going to uh i think it was like one of those swingers retreats or something that was like a weekender. Wait, and then just I, like those exist. There's a swing. There are swingers retreats. Oh, I, there's so much I don't God. know. I know there's so much I don't know. So, Young Swingers Week is a page that you must follow okay. on Instagram. So, Young Swingers Week is like um, specifically focuses on young people who are into you know swingers and poly and yeah. all sorts of like plural kind of relationships yeah which is really cool and then also specifically focused on young people because there's like cruises that are dedicated to swingers swinger cruises there's um hedo which is in jamaica which is a resort that is strictly dedicated to swingers oh my god and <laughs> what if you're a single person can you still go you can or is it so like you can you can be a unicorn which okay. is a term used for single people yeah. who go for swinger parties if you're a single woman then it's easier for you to go to a swinger party than it is if you're a single man yeah, yeah. um <laughs> and so there's one called naughty and Nolens, which is I've been to twice okay. and so the first time that I went like being immersed in this it was my first time ever experiencing anything like this can you oh, imagine wow. this Kenyan girl yeah this Kenyan girl what was it like from the you? horn of Africa <laughs> just ends up in this like dungeon with these like kinksters yeah and with floggers and like all sorts of it was insane <gasps> and then I had <laughs> yeah, so I had the most amazing experience of my life yeah the most amazing experience of my life I actually haven't been able to go into that space again like I did that first time mm. 
And then I remember walking out of the hotel and seeing people, normal people. Yeah. I was like, fuck this life. <laughs> like, yes. what is this? I don't yeah. want to be here. You know, I just wanted to be in that really safe space where people respect you, where people yes. ask for consent, yes. even just to, to shake your hand. Yes. You walk in the streets and people are catcalling you. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's a different mm. world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The, the thing about the BDSM scene and consent those two things going hand in hand yeah it's just it's a i feel like it's a place where everybody should live yes i agree or it, create those spaces and it's the sexiest space to be in when it is full of consent when it is full of safety and security like that is when i get the most turned on and right. that's you know and post my relationship with my master i haven't found any you know we were together off and on for about two years and I am just struggling to meet new people to have the same common language with, you know, and I'm discovering, I didn't realize this because I just got in, I started exploring kink about, about three years ago. It'll be three years in March. And I didn't, I didn't have a context for it ahead of time. I just was lucky enough to stumble into a human that gave me a safe overview and was ethical when it came to our sex stuff. Mm -hmm. And now going to explore other kinksters, not all of them are informed or safe or know how to hit people properly or know what aftercare is and i'm like oh you're not a dom you're someone who like wants to hit people and has gotten confusing messages and hasn't done the work necessarily mm. so so that's one of the things that i've been coming up against and i feel like what you're saying about that shift of like this is where i was and now i'm out in this world and it's different and then even just finding it hard to communicate with people yes, who are not yes. in the scene. It's, yeah, because it's I'm, a it's I've a become bubble. such an introvert. Now really? I'm just like, nope, I only want to talk to my, my tribe. Wow. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, how do, do you talk to other people at those parties? Because I went to one by myself when I was in New York a few months ago. And I was so introverted there. Like I got there and I was just like, and this was pre-herpes uh, now I'm like oh my god how would I even do a sex party with herpes like mm. that sounds like so much effort in terms of like mm. explaining and teaching and just like emotional stuff but I just ended up sitting in the hot tub the whole time so did you talk to anyone that were you there with King and Jasmine I am always there with King and Jasmine I actually don't think I've ever been in a space That's fantastic. where they're not there <laughs> okay cool. so I'm lucky because I get to be their bottom mm -hmm. their service bottom so mm -hmm. for that that's a uh, that's kind of easy. I don't have to talk to anybody. They're very protective of me. Oh, they are, and I'm in subspace. Yeah, which yeah. means I only do what they say. I the rest love of, I don't that. give a fuck about everything. Else. That's amazing. Are they? Can I ask details about their sexuality? Is that yes? Of course you can. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, well, They're open about that too. I I know they are. I just want to. I guess have that. I want to have the example of consensual communication. So. Are they both your top or how does it work with the three of you? Like what's that yes, dynamic like? Yes, they, they are. In those instances, they mm -hmm. would be, yes. And then what's their relationship to each other? Is there a power play between them as well when the no, three of you are together? No, there isn't. So they're, okay. they're both doms and they kind of work together like a tag <gasps> team as doms. Right? I don't know why that combination has not occurred to me previously, but I now have a new fantasy around it. Like, that sounds so hot. Can you tell me what it's right? like to be dumbed by two people? Oh, my gosh. I mean, okay, so because w 
our relationship is actually that we're friends first. Yeah. So we have we've established that relationship and we have talked about, you know, my subbing on on a more on a less play space in a more real life space, but then it it can't work just because of the the just because of our relationship and the and the tra- trajectory of our relationship. Mm-hmm. But so I can't really explain it even though I have filmed some videos like they have a couple of subs, but they have one that's full time. Oh. And I have on my Instagram page filmed videos of what their reality is with them being doms and her being a sub. Yeah. So there's more information on that dynamic. Cool. But with me personally, it's really just when we go to parties. The rest of the time, we're just hanging out like friends. Yeah. Yeah. So I have I'm only I'm only just bottom at events and stuff. Mm-hmm. And when they come to Kenya at events or like if we travel together and so on. Yeah. And for listeners who maybe don't have any experience having a sexual relationship with someone in one space and not in another space, can you tell us feelings-wise what it feels like to you? That's an interesting question. I don't know if I have the What's the answer? I mean, there may not it, be an answer. It probably just feels regular, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, isn't that how it's supposed to be? I mean, theoretically, yes. But I, I know a lot of people also who separate. I just want I, I want to clarify. So yeah. n- n- not it's a dom-sub relationship isn't always sexual. Actually, a lot of the time, more often than not, it's not. Mm-hmm. And it's really more about just being um, of service to your master or to your dom or whatever term it is that you use. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I don't have, I don't specifically have an answer because I just feel like that's who we are. Yeah. And that's our relationship. And that's Beautiful. just the way it is. I don't know. Amazing. I don't know if that's, I don't know. Can we get into yeah. some sexual details about what you enjoy when it comes to physical pleasure? Ooh, let's. <laughs> so actually, I want to take it back. Let's do some history first. So okay. touching yourself young, but let's go to your masturbation practice. Okay. Do you have a favorite go-to move? How do your lady parts need to be touched for you to get off? What do you do to yourself? Do you switch it up? Are we talking history or is this current? Both. Like, let's get, <laughs> let's, let's do the range. So, like, I started, when I was little, I started, uh, like, outside lips. I'm doing, like, a two-finger twiddling motion. Like, I that was, like, mm-hmm. my first experience, like, discovering what a clitoris was and, like, personally. And then later I moved to, like, a more hand motion. Later I, like, added a finger. Now I also, like, sometimes put a finger in my butt. I use vibrators. Like, I switch it up. So that's kind okay. of my, my overview. And I have to have clitoral stimulation to come I don't come from only penetration unless someone's like grinding at just the right angle if I'm partnered Uh, but even with myself like I always have to have like I'm not one of those people that can just come from internal stimulation are you uh, do you mind me asking about your sexuality you can ask oh I am pansexual I I fall in love with people not parts I love a lot like and I would say I'm attracted to like 90 percent basically if someone is engaged and present with me I'll I would probably 
in a, in a space where, yeah, in a space <laughs> where there, where it's like allowed and there's no consequence. Like I, when I walk around in the world, I think about kissing like most of the people, like, like it'll just like pop into my brain. I just, I'm a highly arousable, high level of attraction person. And so I have a lid on myself most of the time because it's usually not a good idea to like fuck everyone that I want to fuck. <laughs> Unless you're getting paid. I know. I think I have, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> okay so when i was a little girl i discovered that i had the most stimulation on my clitoris when i rubbed my clitoris against the thigh of my life-size doll life-size when i was a little girl yeah (laughs) you had one of those that's so i did (laughs) i did so i oh i used to me and that doll (laughs) we we used to go at it okay (laughs) And and so I didn't know any other way to do it. I didn't know any other way to feel pleasure because that was my first time just like rubbing myself against the thigh of this doll. Yeah. And so when there was other people, <laughs> I was so horny that I would still do it when other people were in the room. I would kind of just wait for them to fall asleep and then I would <laughs> like rub yeah. myself. Again. Yeah. So I was busted masturbating so many times <laughs> as a really? kid. And I think people, yes. What happened when you got busted? I don't think anybody told me for a while until uh, maybe when I was like 12 years old, my cousins, uh, I remember there was an article that came out. Dennis Rodman said he, he, he married himself. Um, oh. do you, yeah, I don't remember. No, thing. I grew up on a farm yeah. and like didn't get a lot of like pop <laughs> So Dennis Rodman, this very popular basketball yeah. player yeah. in the US, um, had this wedding where he married himself and he wore a veil and I think he may have even worn a wedding dress and then he actually just married himself and it was this big buzz that happened and even we heard about it and then so we you know people asked like how he has sex and he says he masturbates a lot so my cousins used to call me Dennis Rodman Uh, because I, there was, um, during the holidays, we would go to my grandmother's house and all of the kids would sleep in one room. So we had, it was almost like a dormitory and there was many beds and yeah. all of the kids would sleep in that room. And I, I would masturbate. Like it was bedtime. I would masturbate. It doesn't matter if I was sharing a bed with my cousins or whatever. And also just recently I found out, oh my God, I feel so shame. <laughs> my cousin, so um, it's, Part of our culture is that the boys get circumcised at a certain age. It's like a rite of passage around mm-hmm. the age of 13, 14, 12, 13, 14. Whoa. So my, all of my cousins got circumcised during this particular holiday. We were all at my grandmother's house. And then uh, I remember just like nagging my one of my cousins to show me his penis. Because what happened was I walked into the room one time and his towel was on the ground and I saw his penis. And I was like, ah! oh my God. And then the rest of the time, all I did was nag him to show me his penis. And that's all I did. I just wanted to see his penis because it was my first time. Yeah. Well, it was my first time. But it was like, I was just like, it's a grown up dick. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I had seen other little dicks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little girl because that's how we do. And so I, it was the first time to see like a grown up, quote unquote, grown up dick. Did he end up saying yes? He, or? he says that he showed it to me. I don't okay, remember. Because yeah. he just recently reminded me. He was like, do you remember that you used to nag <laughs> me to show you my penis? I was like, you're kidding me. He's like, yep. He's like, you wouldn't stop oh, all the time, wow. every time. And he was like, and, I, and then finally, because we were saying this when there was a lot of us in the room. And then finally, 
he's like when it was just me and him in the room he's like yeah i ended up showing you i was like you've got to be fucking kidding yeah i was so embarrassed totally. oh my god but also I'm when, you, when you're a kid and you're so curious like it makes perfect sense because you don't have all of the stuff that that we have now as adults yeah like yeah, i i think it's yeah. actually very cute that you're like show me your penis <laughs> And I think I was that girl. I, f- I feel like I've asked quite a few people. Apparently, when I was two or three years old, I uh, grabbed this older man's penis. <laughs> we were standing How? at the shop service with my aunties at, at home <laughs> where we lived. There was this like little shop inside the compound uh-huh. and people would go buy like little like a little grocery store, like a little shop. Uh, people buy bread, milk, whatever you need, breakfast supplies, da da da. And so we were standing there and my aunties, I'm a little girl, and my aunties were buying things and then this man was standing here and he had this bulge. And I just kind of like <laughs> reached and grabbed his penis. I mean <laughs> I got I, into a lot of trouble. I definitely had my butt grabbed by little kids like waiting in line at the grocery store or whatever. You know, like like they get a pass. I don't know when when, they, yeah. when kids grab me. I'm like, okay, hi, little kid. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, what about partnered sex? And when did you start exploring your own sexuality? I was 25 when I fell in love with a female-bodied person for the first time, and I was like, oh, I like this too. You know. So I was kind of surprised, and I was just like, oh, I guess that makes sense. Like I didn't think too much about it. What was your yeah. uncovering of your sexuality like, or discovering? Why did I say uncovering? <laughs> so what were those explorations like? Uncovering happened for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I must have been around also young, just really young. Mm. But I think I was exploring with like my girlfriends when I was about 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And that thing, actually, even before that, young, 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 young. I remember having a conversation with my best friend in prep school and she we were talking about masturbating and I was I felt like because I felt like it was such a sin because we used to go to church all the time. Yeah. And so it felt like such a sin and it felt like every night after I'd had my orgasm, I would pray and say I was sorry and that I would stop and every night I would do it again so I even used to bargain with God like if I stop masturbating can I for whatever reason I wanted a car Mm -hmm. and I used to say then can I get a car Mm. (laughs) I'm like this eight-year-old girl trying to get a car (laughs) I just thought I thought cars were the best thing ever in the whole entire (laughs) world I just wanted to drive And so I remember having a conversation with my best friend in prep school at the time. And I said to her that I was doing this really bad thing. Mm. And then she said to me, I've been doing this really bad thing too. And then I said to her what my bad thing was, which was masturbating. And she was like, me too. (gasps) And so in this conversation that I'm having with my best friend, and we're probably like maybe 11 years old. Yeah. Yeah, 11 years old. This conversation is turning me on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we then decided that, like, and then I asked her, so how do you do it? Like, what do you do? What happens? And then she explained to me physically, and I was just like, I was so wet. I yeah. really was. And so I said, can you show me? And then she, and then she was like, yeah, but will you show me? And then I was like, yeah. <laughs> so 
Is it appropriate for me to even ask about your memory? Like, did you lay side by side? Were you like Actually, standing? we were outside. Yeah. Yeah. We were in, because we were in school. I was in boarding school. Uh-huh. So we were in school and, and she was, uh, we were in this pavilion uh-huh. and we were sitting on, and we decided that we were going to do it, but like really far from each other. Okay. So she sat on one end and I sat on the other. Okay. And then we just like masturbated and then we both had orgasms and then we were like okay done. did you ever do it again or was it just that like one it was time just the and... one time it never happened again what inspired you to even talk about it with your friends because i didn't talk about masturbation with my friends until i think i was in college like i was old maybe high school but i was so shy and so shame filled that i didn't even start talking mm. about it with friends until i was older I do not have trouble talking. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Because <laughs> I was the kid that nobody told secrets to. Mm. Because I, I would always tell. Yeah. But only as a kid. Yeah. That's not me now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm great I at keeping just... other people's secrets. My own secrets. I'm like, I'll tell you anything. <laughs> yeah. Now. Because things <laughs> yeah. have changed for you, now. right? Oh, for and sure. And things have for changed sure. for me, too. Now yeah. I don't even, t- now I don't tell my secrets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's funny how, like, there's been, it, it switched. Yeah. Things changed. Yeah. Now uh, I can hold, if I have any, which I'm dealing with it, guys. I'm in therapy. I'm in therapy. Yeah. <laughs> love therapy. I go to therapy twice a week when I can. I love yes. therapy. Yes. Yeah. I, I couldn't do without it. And so, yeah, it was really easy for me to talk about because I used to tell her everything. I mean, Mm -hmm. even my first period I faked just because I felt like I was developing a lot uh, slower than everybody else was my age. So I faked my period and so did she. (laughs) It was really interesting because I was like, I have something to tell you. I've been faking my period. And she was like, oh, me too. Oh, my And then it was like, oh. And then then I was like, okay, I have to tell my mom because she keeps buying these pads. (laughs) And she was and she came with me. (laughs) that's so sweet (laughs) oh my gosh wait so how old were you when you actually started your period uh i think i was 14 okay me too me too yeah oh look at us (laughs) so in sync in sync from across the world Um, will you tell us a little bit about like what your first experiences then with partnered sex where you were like actually touching each other like what were those like so that must have been when I also, it must have happened when I was like 13 or 14. Yeah, I think my first experience was with a girl that I was friends with in mm-hmm. high school. And we were also just kind of experimenting with how we were feeling because it it's a hormonal time. Yeah. And I feel like those conversations are so important at that time. So <laughs> parents need to have these conversations with their kids. Yeah. And we were just discovering because it was like, I thought that I was sick because my vagina would get really wet. And I remember having that conversation with my friend and saying, like, like soaking wet. At 14 years old, my panties would be drenched oh my God. because of how horny I was. And so I remember asking my friend and my friend and I would just sort of like um, experiment with each Like we would touch each other. It was really central, but. It only happened once because I was just like, oh, my God, we can't be lesbians. We're going right. straight to hell right. according to the Bible. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that was my first time having, like, any kind of, like, physical intimacy with another person. But then I had penetrative sex with a guy that I was in school with not long after. I was the same age. I was 14 years old. And mm-hmm. that was when I had my first penetrative 
experience. Mm-hmm. What do you remember then, about it, if you're willing to share oh, anything? No, it's fine. I remember everything. It was in the backseat of a car. We had gone out to a club. And it was his first time. It was my first time. And it, we were dating. So it was just like, mm-hmm. oh, he was my first love. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I really still like... I like the idea that it was that we shared the, our first times yeah. to have penetrative sex at the same time. I really enjoy that still. And um, I guess it was what it was. It was painful. Yeah. It didn't last long. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't understand what the big deal was with sex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. After wanting it for so yes. long. Mm-hmm. But for so long, I mean 14 years. Totally. No, I. that's a long time. And I, too, was a child that would, like, think about, ooh, I can't wait until I'm grown up so I can have sex. And I thought, because I was vaguely raised Christian, I thought that I had to be married in order to have it. Like, I just thought you... I had some idea that it just, like, was not physically possible unless you had a husband. Until you were yeah. married. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. and, and I remember the moment in high school where I made my, my current best friend, Lauren... Like, she was the first person that talking to her when I was 16 or 17 was talking about having sex as if it were a good thing to be celebrated. And I was like, Tell me more. (laughs) And from then on, when I realized I could want it, it it changed my life. And then I spent the next uh, two or three years (laughs) trying and failing to have sex. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. so, okay, so after your first experience, then what was your, what was your, like, sex life trajectory like? What were your teen years like? How did they, And then I was evolve? hypersexual. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I uh, fucked a- anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and everything. Around, between the ages of, like, 17 and 27 Probably a good 10 years of, yeah. actually, I lie, just 33. 33 yeah. is when I stopped having such excessive sex, literally three years ago. <laughs> okay. But like uh, hypersexuality, like hyper, hypersexuality. And also, I remember, think you know, when I was young, just knowing that sex with girls or having feelings for girls was something that was wrong and something that I was going to go to hell for. Mm. In fact, when I was in high school, I was one of those Christian advocates for like, lesbians are going to go to hell. Gays are going to go to hell. I was one of those people. I was one of those picket picket sign people. And and this is why I know when those picket sign people, I'm just like, I used to be one of you. But look at me now. I'm loving girls. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Loving all gendered people. Totally. Oh, my God. And I remember not thinking about, like, same-sex as sex. I would have so many same-sex sexual experiences with people, and we would disregard it because it was something that we did, like, after we'd had a couple of drinks or actually mostly after we'd had a couple of drinks because that's the only way that you're not feeling the guilt around it. Yeah. I never even imagined that the, you know, it's just like, I always thought that girls, it was a thing that girls do. And I feel like there's a lot of people who still do that. Like, oh, but it's a thing that we do because we're girls and cool. It doesn't yep. count. And it doesn't mean that yep. it's sex. It's just like, we're girls. We're cool. I'm still going to end yeah. up marrying a man. You know, that's what society oh, yeah. dictates. <laughs> yeah. So um, a lot of that until I remember going on my first date with a girl. And that was when I was just like, oh, <gasps> 
you mean I can do this? Oh wow. my god! Do you remember and, how and old you were? Everything changed. Yeah, I must have been um, twenty-one years old. Okay. Yeah, and then I and then I also had my first uh, relationship around the same time, uh, my first same-sex relationship mm-hmm. at, around the same time, and that w- for me was like <gasps> life-changing. And that's when I came out to my family. And how did they take it? Again, oh, she's an artist. Nobody really, <laughs> yeah, nobody yeah. really cared. My mom was a little sad, but because she was like, oh, but I want grandkids. She really wanted grandkids, but it's like, yeah. and at the time I was like, I still have things. I still have the things. You can still yeah. have grandkids if I choose to have children. Yeah, uh, but great, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Great yeah. kids are not related to orientation. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so when did you start to discover your polyamorous side? Or side? Is it a side of you? You only have one side. It's it's the whole side. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The left, the right, the back. All of it. <laughs> I discovered polyamory, I vividly remember, in 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with a couple, and that's mm-hmm. I didn't know what the hell was going on, yeah. but it was this really beautiful Relatable. relationship wow. that we had, the three of us. How did you and meet them? Was... How did you fall in love? When did you realize you were in love? When did you? <laughs> what did your brain and heart do when you realized you were actually in love with more than one person? Like, had that ever entered your mind as a possibility before? Not being in love with more than one person at the same time, but I I had had. Uh, multiple play partners at the same time Mm -hmm. so for me for a long time it just felt like this is amazing sex it was like the most amazing sex I'd ever had in my whole entire life can you say what was so so amazing about it for detail purposes the 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 do I was gonna say the duality of it yeah I don't know if that's actually the right term it's just the plural version of it is having more than one partner for me just was so beautiful and and also just not in a in a in an entirely sexual way but in a really loving way because yeah let me backtrack so it was my first time in the US um 10 years ago mm-hmm. and i met i was in atlanta visiting a family member but like a day before i landed in atlanta the family member that i was supposed to stay with called and said that they can't have me stay over at their house oh. so i made oh. an sos call to another relative of mine who said, oh, you can go and stay with these guys. And I was like, I'm only going to be here. I was supposed to be there a month and then come back home to Kenya. Mm -hmm. And I met this couple and it was just, it literally was just magic. I ended up staying in Atlanta for six months. (gasps) Wow. Yeah. That is magical. I just, yeah, it was just. It was just magic. It was, it, I mean, there was a obvious, there was, it was my first time being in a space like that and loving two people. And there was all of the hiccups that come with discovering mm-hmm. polyamory at also at a young age. Yeah. I don't know. The, the first relationship. And that was it. That was the beginning. I was just like, I, I really love the dynamic and I yeah. enjoy being in that kind of relationship. I love that kind of relationship. And I've had a few since. Yeah. And I want, I, I feel like it would be like my ideal space is to be in, in that kind of a polyamorous situation. I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of my journey, discovering polyamory. And now I, I won't date anyone 
that in has any intention of being monogamous and i'm so that's clear great. about it from i feel like that that's my conversation on date one as opposed yeah. to like so how often do you get tested yeah yeah even though i should also do the so how often do you get tested i know i try to throw everything in there i'm just like okay so this and this and this that might be why i'm yeah. single like i maybe yeah. need to like dose it out i don't know <laughs> no <laughs> you will find the person well, that is the right I'm for the like, questioning. It's a filtration system. I don't have a lot of time. I'm busy making a lot of different types of art. And so yeah. if someone like doesn't, if they're not on board, that's fine. Like, that's fine. I just wish I were yeah. having more sex right now. Yes. <laughs> it's been a couple months. One of the things that I've said is since I became a sex educator, I'm having less sex. I'm having the okay, least that amount was, of sex in my life. That was right one now. of my questions. Okay, when did you become a sex educator? How has it affected your life? Can you please talk about the sex part of it? <laughs> and like the dynamics. Oh, this is a question I've been dying to ask another submissive. And you have even more knowledge in your brain around sex. Do you feel like being a submissive but also a sex educator fucks up the dynamic? Uh, like, you know, it's like you need someone that really knows what they're doing and can hold space for you. Otherwise, you're by default kind of the boss. Does that resonate? Yes. Yes. <sighs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like, I'm not even an expert, but because I spend so much time talking to people about their sex lives, like lately, the new partners that I've sort of been feeling out have been like expecting me to take charge. And I'm like, no, I just had a really explicit conversation about how I don't want to do that. Like, yeah, I told you all the things. I told you yes. my, my buttons, my secrets. And this is why we have multiple partners. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Therein <laughs> lies the truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I always say that, you know, my coming into sex education was when I began the podcast four years ago. Yeah. And I only recently got certified. Okay. But the whole process has been educating people through the podcast and educating myself in the process as well. Mm. And just the minute I started talking about sex publicly and uh, and allowing for this space to happen, that was it. I, I stopped having sex. Oh, no. <laughs> and just because I'm so clear about the kind of sex that I want, I'm yeah. so clear about it that I don't want anything less. I don't want mediocre sex. And I have had a few experiences where I'm just like, oh, yeah. why did I do that? Yeah. But then now I'm just, I would rather go dry and yeah. just wait for an opportunity to meet somebody who was at the same space, who knows what they're doing. Oh, my God, who knows what they're doing? It's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, so that that that's it's a short story because I haven't had that much sex in the last four years. Ugh. Okay, you too, huh? I get it. Well, it's yes, my my master and I pretty much broke up for good in June, mid June. Do you I mind a, me asking you what yeah. happened? I'm really curious. Oh yeah, so it's kind of a long story, but the short version is. We met. I just knew I wanted to be tied up. I discovered my submissive side. My mind was blown. And our first year was perfect. Like, it was all the best parts of a relationship. We would see each other about every week, like one to two weeks. And <laughs> on our one-year anniversary, I thought he was going to break up with me because I had slept with this kinky couple with his permission and like blessing and like only because he was like, I'm your master, like you're going to serve them, but you're serving me through serving them because you're poly hearted and blah, blah, blah. But then he had a jealousy freak out because he wasn't like he's in an open marriage, but wasn't. Um, I don't think he'd ever been in sort of like a 
situation where he'd had feelings for a partner and then like they fucked someone else like i think that was just new to him and he's old you know he's a couple he's in his 50s so he freaked out and on our one year anniversary i thought we were gonna break up but instead we exchanged i love yous and i did love him like i love most people like by the time mm -hmm. i'm sleeping with someone there's at least like some kind of love at that point we'd been sleeping together for a year and my sexual mind had been blown as soon as he said i love you well actually also the next day my grandmother died in my lap. So it was this really weird back to back of just like emotions. And I kind of fell apart. This was April 2018. And then he just kind of caught me. So for that first month, his wife happened to be out of town. I saw him several times a week, which was new for us. So there was this, there's a little bit of trauma bonding happening. Mm -hmm. And over the next year, between jealousy, between figuring out how the relationship would grow, it, it fell apart, basically. We broke up in July. We broke up in November. We broke up in February. We broke up again this past June. And it was, you know, at, at first it was like, oh, I want to be with you. He kept saying he wanted to be with me. He wanted to marry me. And I was like, no, I'm not. I don't know if I even want to get married. And like, this doesn't make sense. And like, one of our base rules was don't try to leave your family for me, you know, because I have a lot of stuff around not wanting to destroy other people's relationships. Like I take on a lot of their responsibility and, you know, and we have this incredible sexual connection, but the interpersonal part of it, just we haven't been able to make it work. And I think there was some sort of like role reversal, like dynamic shift. And so it just became more stressful than beautiful and we fell increasingly out of our dynamic and it's like I still talk to him sometimes like when I get horny I'll still reach out and try but it's not the dynamic's not the same and every time it doesn't it just doesn't work any longer you know how crazy this is what you've described my relationship with my ex to really? a T are we the same person like, are we just I, the same person, but split apart across the world? It, literally, exactly. So he was married. Um, he was in an open relationship uh, of sorts. He they, they were in a poly relationship, and we tried to have a relationship dynamic where it was the three of us. Yeah. But that didn't work out. Yeah. So it ended up just being him and I. Mm -hmm. And we, he literally, he blew my sexual mind. Same yeah. thing happened. Yeah. And also we trauma bonded because I remember something happened between my dad and I and I was I fell apart and he was there he caught me and that was actually when we fell in love yeah and then yeah. um and then we had a relationship that lasted maybe two and a half years but towards the end it's just like we found that that the thing that was connecting us because when you trauma bond when there's no trauma there's no bond yeah yeah and that was the thing that began to end that and then Again, I would text him every so and that we broke up the same way you're saying we broke oh, up man. this time, two months later, we broke up, we broke up. It's, and it's then so I remember texting him. Right? How do I like, how do I let go of my master? Like, how do I, you know, I'm still processing, I'm still trying to figure out how, you know, where to go from here. It's tough. Yeah. Time is the only thing that's going to heal. Yeah. Do you still have contact with him at all? No, I okay. actually had to block him. Mm. on everything on email yeah. on text on social media on i have he has no i mean i if he wanted to he could find access he would call right, somebody right. who would reach out to me yeah. but then he knows that there's a reason that i did that yes and literally i had to get to a point because i knew that i was going to keep going back to this thing that every time we were together would make me feel disgusting in the yeah. end and it's just like and i still couldn't let go i still couldn't let go and so yeah. i had to cut i had to cut the cord because I was not going to be a statistic. 
Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, how long ago was that? That I cut the cord? May. Oh, that's still kind of fresh. I mean, it's a long time ago, but not that long. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh. Man, yeah. I feel you. So where do where do you see yourself going from here? Like, just at this current moment in your sex life and your sexuality, like, what is your desire for yourself? Oh, to have more sex. Yeah. Come on. And let's I talk just about what kind get of laid. sex. Let's talk about, but let's talk <laughs> about the quality of sex. Like, what would it take right now for you to be like a yes, let's go? Like, what do you have to hear from another partner? I would like for them to have unlearned so I don't have to go through the process of unlearning with them. I want them to be where I am. Yeah. I want them to be at the same level as I am. Yeah. So that the conversations are easier. So that we can talk about consent from every aspect, every angle. Mm -hmm. I would like for them to be to not necessarily be at my level of kink. If more, great. If less, they're willing to explore. Okay. I would like I would like to have somebody who is open to exploring. It, I think it's so important that they're not closing themselves off because the minute you start to close doors, it's just like, it makes things harder. Yeah. But if you're open to giving things a shot, and I, I would really like that. And somebody who's willing to learn yeah. the same way that I am willing to learn, I think. Mm -hmm. I think those are the things. How about you? Well, that is what I'm trying to figure out. Definitely, I just want to steal everything you said. And I look for really concrete things like, it's so important to me to have partnership with someone that understands how important my work is to me. And I feel like all too often I hear the yes, like I hear people say like, yes, I love how much you love your work. Because I'm, I'm an actor and a filmmaker and a sex podcast, you know, like I do all of these different things. But then when it comes down to it, I experience so often partners that then actually want me to prioritize them with my time instead of making it all work because I believe it can work. And that's like my time, when my time is wasted, when my time is not respected, like that's such a big turnoff to me. So it's like, I just desperately want someone that I can see once or twice a week. Like I want to have sex all the time, but at this point in my life, like I need to work a certain amount to earn enough money to survive. So I need someone that can fit into that and like that can see me once a week and make it really good and then doesn't guilt me the rest of the time. And I want someone mm. who like wants to, that like has ideas and maybe they give me options or maybe they don't, but I just need someone who when I'm with them, I don't have to make all the decisions. Like I want them to be at least an equal co-creator if they're truly a dom and wanna just call the shots. Great, I'm so into that. But I just, yeah. I just need someone where it feels like I'm not doing all the work. Yeah. And that pays attention and that wants to touch me. I love touches. I just love being me touched. Too. I love touches. It's my love language. Yeah. Yes. That and respect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what does respect look like to you? Like when Oof. do you feel respected? Like you said, I'm stealing off of you now. Yeah. Great. Somebody who respects my time. Yeah. And values it. Yeah. Because time, space lifestyle. I think those are really important things to respect. 
decisions. I think, I think, ooh, those are, girl, you came with those hard uh, questions. I'm just full, no, I'm just full of questions and I'm trying to figure this stuff out myself at, at the same time. And it's like, I don't think we always need to have answers. One of the things that I notice a lot for myself is like, when I have a partner that helps me hold my own boundaries, particularly around time, I feel so safe and I feel more likely to give them my time. For example, I was recently dating someone. I was very busy. Then we were like very casually dating. Like it didn't go too far. And when I got herpes, I was like, hey, I have herpes. I can't handle things right now. Goodbye. Like I just ended it. Mm -hmm. He was a super nice dude. But there was a day where he was like, hey, I know you're busy working. Like, can I come by and bring you a coffee and just say hi? And I was like, Okay, you know, and I thought in my brain, and I didn't communicate this, but in my brain I was like, yeah, like 15, 30 minutes, great. He came over and ended up staying for closer to two hours, and then I realized I will never allow that person to come over during the day again for a quick, you know, whatever, because I'm going to have to do more work to hold the boundary. Whereas if someone had literally just shown up and like cuddled me and loved me for 30 minutes and then peaced out, I would have felt so good and so bolstered and so like excited that that could be a possibility that could happen more regularly. Like those are the, like that's the level where I am right now where I'm like, ooh, if someone could come have a quickie with me and then leave so I could finish my editing, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. like, but I think those practical ooh. things are what make up a long-term relationship. So then when you have the time, you can really enjoy it. So I don't know if I'll find that, but mm. I'm hopeful. No, yeah, continue to be hopeful. I, I believe that the people are there. It's just probably just going to take us longer than the average person because we have we're actually dedicate, dedicated to not settling. Yeah. And I think it's part of the work. Yeah. And and you know a conversation that I have with myself often is is that sometimes I feel like as I grow older is that am I ever going to be able to fulfill my purpose by being yeah. here this time around? I sometimes feel like <sighs> I feel like maybe I'm going to come back because I feel like I might not finish the work yeah. that I'm supposed to do. I, 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 I think the same thing all the time. Like, really? like almost the exact, and even the phrase this time around, all the time. And there's some part of me that like I've been all over the world by myself, been in some situations that have been really dangerous. And I'm like, well, I think I'm okay because I think I have work to do here this round. And then I think I have to come back for more. Yeah. Look Whoa. at us. <laughs> okay. I feel like I could talk to you for several more hours, but I want to be time conscious. And I want to ask you a question that I ask everyone at the end of my podcast, which is okay. if you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sexual advice, what age or ages would you pick and what would you say? Okay. I guess I would go back to age seven and say, it's okay. Come. Beautiful. <laughs> I fucking love that. Yes. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the work you're doing, where we can find you, where everyone should follow you, any events Aww. you're doing. Okay. So you can follow the spread we're at the spread pod across the board on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter. 
And you can listen to the podcast. It's available across all platforms as well. And events-wise, actually really, really fun shit happening in 2020. I have um, Glamazon Tayomi, who is a sex educator, pleasure coach, tantra practitioner from Chicago. And she's coming to Kenya in March. And then we have Narissa Irving, who is like a doula, all things vagina. She creates these um, natural wellness product like uh, vaginal wash and all of these things that are completely vegan and natural mm. and she lives in florida and she's coming in may for the spread fest which is going to be having its second annual festival amazing and yes and then jasmine and king noir are coming back to the continent in july so we are traveling together the three of us are going to johannesburg um from the 13th of july and then we're going to be in nairobi from the 21st of july for a bdsm party that's and other kinky things amazing (laughs) and what's the best way for people if they can't remember if they want to look it up later what's the best way instagram Instagram is the best place to find all the information because there is a link in the bio where all of the details are available. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And also maybe say your own personal Instagram. Oh, yes, of course. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm at Kaz Karen Lucas. Perfect. And actually just on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm not on anything else. Great. Just yet. Do we have to be everywhere, everywhere? Maybe, but we'll do our best. In the I mean, time. I really want to be on OnlyFans. I know. <laughs> I'll get there. 